Coming to you live from their remote studios in Ohio and Louisiana, this is Peace of Mind. Follow us on Twitter at POM underscore sports or on Spotify at Peace of Mind Sports Podcast. Now here's your hosts, Mark and Matt. Good evening, sports fans, and welcome back to another episode of Peace of Mind. It is 7.35 Eastern on January 20th, 2022. Alongside of me, as always, Matt, a.k.a. Go Max. Matt, how you been, bro? Yo, freezing. Dude, it is. it has been really cold the last few days, and that's... And what's so crazy, too, is the last few days, it's like it's been cold in the morning, then around lunchtime, you know, it starts to heat up. But today, all day cold, like straight all day, didn't get below, I mean, above 40 today. Let me tell you something. So I, I know that we could sit here and you know, me in particular, you can sit here and, and laugh at you because you're saying that you're cold because you live in the South. And we talked about this in the pre-show, all right? So I lived in Florida for a couple of years. Um, I actually graduated high school down in Florida, moved back home. Long story short, I could say that any time that I would go out and it was below like 30, not even 30, um, maybe even below 50 degrees, I would say 50 degrees down south is colder than 50 degrees up north. I can honestly say that that's a fact. And it's been proven, like with the ocean being kind of close by, it just really, really shows a different type of weather in the air, I would say. So it's, it's kind of crazy, but yeah, it's been, it's been really cool here. Reach single digits. Um, pray for everybody who's still trying to get home, you know, safe that lives in the Midwest. It's been, you know, really, really cold and, um, uh, lot, lots of snow here and there too. Cause it's and you see, also and, January. And that's what's so funny about it too. Right. Cause you told me just earlier today, you just so casually, I was like, yo man, you know, how cold was it there today? He's like, oh man, you know, it's four degrees. <laughs> and I was like, you know, you just casually said it and me, you know, someone in the South to where, you know, like 40 is cold. Right. Yeah. I'm just like, what did you just say? Four degrees? What do you, <laughs> you went to work today? I forgot a zero in there, but yeah, actually it was four degrees today. Um, as, as I don't want to say the high, it started out, it was like, 16 17 so we had a little heat wave but as the day went on it dropped about at least 20 degrees throughout the day so <laughs> but all right everybody welcome to the show um that does remind me i did i did have one more thing to say i don't know what it is about when it storms or when it starts snowing but i feel like everybody has to just get in their car and be somewhere like go home go home i understand if you're trying to get home from work or if you're on your lunch break and you have to go somewhere i understand but I, I feel like, especially in, in the Midwest, you know, in the Northern areas where, you know, it does get a lot colder. I feel like every time it rains or every time it snows, the traffic not only gets heavier, I know because cars are going slower, but I feel like everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's raining out. I better go drive around. You know, it's, it's like one of my, it's become one of my biggest pet peeves over the past couple of years. Don't, don't ever get old, Matt. Don't ever get old. <laughs> But all right, we have uh, plenty of things to discuss on the show today. Um, appreciate that opening, though. It's always nice to talk about some wonderful things. And I'm going to start off with a tidbit because, you know, we love tidbits on this show. And I actually have one. And we're going to go all the way back to the year 1998. All right. This is in regards to the NBA. We're going to talk a little basketball for a minute here. Matt, 
Where were you in 1998? <laughs> I was um, I was a twinkle in my father's eye. <laughs> Wait, what? You weren't not, born yet? Ah! Not born yet. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, so I was eight years old. Um, I was born in 1990, and that was the last time that my Cleveland Cavaliers were in the playoffs without LeBron James. So I just want to kind of throw that in there to start the show. It's you know it's been kind of a crazy road as a Cavaliers fan. Um, we are definitely going to get into more NBA talks as you know the um, the All Star game is going to be coming up in February. That's when teams really start separating themselves from the rest of the pack. But I had to share that little tidbit, and, and never mind for me asking you that question. But since 1998, there's a lot of things that have happened, and I'm just really excited as a Cavs fan to be able to to get that playoff basketball atmosphere. Marley was 18 years old in 1998, just graduating. Let's go, baby. <laughs> but you know, um, that's absolutely insane, though, right? That the last time the Cavs made the playoffs without LeBron, I wasn't even born yet. Yeah, it's like it, they they showed all the things that like what the price of gas was in '98, and it's just adds perspective on how long it's really been. Like the top hit songs was like BC Boys Intergalactic. Like you, like you know, speaking of that, talking about top things. I recently learned that the top movie of the year I was born was Star Wars: The Phantom um, Two, Phantom Menace. Oh, episode two. So that would be um, uh, Return of the Sith. One of the. Wait a minute. I should know this. I'm a Star Wars no, no, fan. No, 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 no. It's it's Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace was episode one. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Want me to Google it? Because <laughs> I was bothering me. I'm a I'm a I'm a Star Wars fan. I should know this. Yeah, for those of you who are just joining the show, we do like to discuss everything and anything. I lied. My bad. My bad. Oh. I was wrong. It was episode one of Phantom Menace. Sorry. 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 Episode two, Attack of the Clones. Revenge of the Sith is number three. Oh my gosh. All right. Anyways, moving on. Moving on. It's been a while. It's been a long week. I can say that. Um, so we, we normally open the show with the college football segment. We want to do things a little bit different this week, um, kind of add a little bit of a change of pace to, um, to look forward to what's going to be upcoming on the show. Uh, but there is, if there is anything to discuss as far as college football goes, now that the season is over, you brought a very interesting argument the other day. You actually posted it on Twitter. We shared a little thoughts in it on the, in, you know, in, um, in the DMS that we discussed with our sports stuff and, there's really two, three wide receivers that are going to step, they're going to step up next year and kind of want to keep a lookout for. Um, kind of explain to everybody what you what you saw and what you uh, wanted to discuss about that. Okay, so a lot of people know, you know, of course, like the 2020 draft was the most stacked draft for receivers in a while, right? Mm-hmm. You had, um, you know, of course, you had Justin Jefferson, on uh, Jalen Rager. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, who was the other one that went first round that year? Jude, um, Henry Jimmy. Ruggs. Um, you you had a bunch of receivers um, in the first two rounds that went. That was actually really good. T. Higgins went um, in the second round of that draft. How good is he, you know, became this year? But next year, there's three receivers that I think of that are, you know, wow, those guys are probably going to be the first receiver taken off the board. Oh, at least and that was... Yeah. Um, Jason Smith Enigma, you should know all about him. Ah, uh, JSN, yeah, and Jigba. Um, Jordan Addison, the this year's Balintikoff Award winner from Pitt, and Fantastic. then Keishon Butte, 
um, from LSU, which a lot of people, you know, they, they still know about him, but maybe a lot of it's kind of died off because he got injured this year and missed basically the entire year. He did. So a lot of people um, but, really didn't get a chance to see him play or really get to know a lot of, about him. You kind of told me early on in the, in the show uh, before even the season started to kind of look out for him. Unfortunately, he goes down with an injury. Uh, just kind of recap of what you were saying, but go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. Absolutely. And and if I'm really going to get down to it, I think it's actually going to come down to Butte and JSN when it comes to, you know, who's going to be the first receiver off the board. And that's no knock to Jordan Addison. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. But when I look at these two play, the talent just just screams NFL receiver. And that's not saying Jordan Addison doesn't, you know what I'm saying? But these guys here, like, produce, and they produce at a high volume. And when I say at a high volume, I mean, the stretches these guys go on, man, just will be absolutely insane. Like, they may have one week where they have, say, five catches, 50 yards. And while that's not bad, they may follow that up with, like, four consecutive weeks of eight-plus catches and 100-plus yards. Sure. Um, and, and the thing about JSN that really, you know, speaks volume is, is his crazy stretch to end the season this year. Um, now, I just want to kind of go over his numbers here. The one, two, three, four, five. The last five games of the season, including the bowl game versus Utah. Yeah, he was productive early on in the season, but at the end of the season is when really people started catching his attention. But go ahead. This is where it started. This is where his breakout, I guess, really started, right? Now, don't get me wrong. He had two, you know, two games earlier in the season. The first game against Oregon, or the second game against Oregon, should I say. He had 145 yards and two touchdowns, but this is where the breakout started. Against Nebraska, 15 catches, 240 yards and a touchdown. The next week wow. versus Purdue, nine catches, 139 yards and a touchdown. The week after that versus Michigan State, 10 catches, 105 yards and a touchdown. The next week against Michigan, 11 catches, 127 yards, no touchdown. And then to end the season, the breakout game to where he just screamed, I'm going to be the first receiver next year taking off the board. 15 catches, 347 yards three touchdowns those are unbelievable said he broke a lot of records in that game um including individual records team records you name it he he was breaking all of them and a lot of people thought that okay gary wilson and chris olivier are are, you know leaving they're opting out of the bowl game and he was actually the most productive receiver on the team even before those games so it, it really grabbed the attention of a lot of people. I'm really excited as a Buckeyes fan going into the next year. Um, one little quick thing that I wanted to say, too, with with the three uh, receivers. As far as uh, Addison goes, I'm curious to see how he's going to be, how his productivity is going to be next year without Kenny Pickett. I'm curious to see who's going to fill in that role. I think he's going to be a great receiver no matter who is that quarterback. But between the three of them, that's why I would kind of leave him as like that third person in the back, just because I don't know what he's going to, be next year we really think we know what jsn obviously with you know cj stroud coming back and you know we expect Butte to to be productive as well up you know higher up there absolutely and see and that's that's why i'm so excited not only for Butte but for jsn as well for like a whole season being the number one because right this this is why i say it reminds me of kind of similar to what Butte did right to end 2020 so if you go back to last season um, this was his four-game stretch for the last three games of the season to the first game of this year versus UCLA before he kind of tweaked his ankle, got a little hurt. He still was having a good year, but it you know wasn't the same. You know, obviously, like I said, after he got mm-hmm. hurt. But last three games of 2020, first one, a lot um, playing Alabama, eight catches, 111 yards, no touchdown. 
versus Florida, five catches, 108 yards, a touchdown. And then to end the season against Ole Miss, 14 catches, 308 yards, three touchdowns. Wow. And then to open the season versus UCLA, he had nine catches, 148 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, now, I mean, and you, like I said, if you look at his stats carrying on, I mean, he, he scored a touchdown in every game except the last one he played in, which he got hurt in, which was Kentucky at 531 and two against McNeese. 644 and 1 versus Central Michigan, 485 and 2 versus Mississippi State, 627 and 1 versus Auburn. And then, like I said, the Kentucky game, he got hurt, I think, in the second half, but he still had eight catches and 73 yards. So if you look at the pace Ignibo was doing, um, Jason Smith Ignibo was having leaving the season, like ending it, and then like what Keishon Butte did the end 2020, it's very similar. Both of them started to establish themselves as, you know, receiver one. Um, so it's, I'm like I said, I'm very excited. You know, like I said, Keishon Butte is going to be back healthy. Um, you know, hopefully the quarterback position is still kind of a mystery right now for LSU. Mm-hmm. But Miles Brennan is back from the transfer portal, and when he did start, you know, in in 2020, he looked phenomenal before he got injured and missed the last two years. Unfortunately, um, you have Garrett Nussmeyer, very talented freshman, um, that's going to be back. Walker Howard, another incoming freshman that's very talented. But th- those are the two men that I just love the most in this draft class, and I cannot wait to see where they go. Just to wrap up that um, segment, my my last take on those players, it's, I think it's really going to come down to how productive their team is as a whole as well. Um, we, we know college is different than the NFL where, like, you know, teams get a big lead, they start running the ball versus, you know, continuing to pass the ball. So I think even if these teams have bigger leads in these games, they're going to still come out, you know, throwing, trying to get these numbers up for these players. But I just think it's going to depend on the teams they play. It's going to be situational football throughout the season. But I'm I'm really excited. So, fans, this is a heads up. Keep an eye on these specific players next year because they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I'm really excited to see how they uh, turn up next season. But all right. We're going to turn it over to the NFL segment, which we're going to spend the most part of the show on Um, a lot of important games. There was a lot of, lot of things to discuss that happened next week. We'll get to that in a short bit. Um, But first I have another, I have a little question for you um, as well. I was kind of curious thinking about this all day. I wanted to save it for the show. Matt, what is your earliest Super Bowl memory? Hmm, my earliest Super Bowl memory or memories. Like what are what are the when it comes to the Super Bowl, like what do you remember most? Like which game and spe- you know specific game do you remember? Well, I could easily say right Green Bay's game against the Steelers. Um that was the first Super Bowl that I got to watch the Packers play in. Um not only play in but win, obviously being the only Super Bowl Rodgers has currently. Um, but I honestly, my first earliest memory would probably be the season before that. And that's when the Saints won the Super Bowl. And it was Tra- Tracy Porter's pick six. Yeah, that was an amazing um, game. And the unexpected, man, the underdogs. You know, and, and like I said, you know, I was, of course, I'm a Packers fan. But, you know, being from Louisiana, knowing everything the Saints went for, right? Of course, I always tell you, right, I root for the Saints as long as they're not playing Green Bay. Um, I'm not a Saints fan, but of course, being my home team, I'm not, I'm going to cheer for them. Right. Cause when they do good, it's good for the state. Sure. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. just the fact of they made it there after everything that happened, you know, the previous years before, of course, with Katrina and, um, you know, just all the devastation in South Louisiana. What a story was that was big, for them man. to come was, back. It and was so big that. for the state. Right. And it was just such a big moment. And I remember sitting there watching it. Right. Cause I was getting a little angry. I ain't gonna lie. I was feeling like a saints fan. I was upset. You know, some of the stuff they was doing, I was like, man, Peyton Manning is just like, 
He's Peyton Manning. Kind of doing some stuff right now. Like I'm, like I'm mad, right? Because I want the Saints to win, obviously. Um, and they come out and, and here kick comes the onside kick. And there's the onside kick. And dude, when I tell you, I lost my mind. That that could have been one, the memory I chose, right? My earliest Super Bowl memory. But I'm gonna go with the Tracy Porter pick six. Just seeing him high step into the end zone, man, and knowing like, okay, that's the dagger. The Saints are gonna win it. Just made me just really, I guess is what sparked my love for football. So I'm sure you want to hear mine too, obviously. Um, I was kind of chuckling to myself when you said the earliest that you remember would be, you know, the that game, because I, I remember that game like it was yesterday. And then you said that the, the Packers' first Super Bowl that you got to watch was against the Steelers. Well, I was actually going to refer to a, a Packers game myself, and I'm going back to that year of 1998, right? This is when I really started hating the Broncos. You know, they beat they beat um, the Packers in the Super Bowl. I already started growing up knowing that I was going to hate John Elway and the Broncos anyways because of what happened in the 80s. You know, I don't remember those games, obviously, but everybody knows what happened in those. I'm not going to explain what happened to my Brownies in those games. So I grew up hating John Elway. And this is one of the earliest memories that I remember in liking Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers. You know, I wanted to get a jersey because of, you know, that season that they had. I, I, for some reason, watched them sometimes on TV. And then um, uh, my mom's friends would host Super Bowl parties every year. So we would go over there. I got, you know, in, introduced to the, lo uh, the love for football that I became today. And just a couple quick things on this game, all right? So the coin toss was Joe Gibbs and Doug Williams. Jewel sing the national anthem. And then just speeding this up a little bit quicker just to kind of tell you how far back this was. Boys to Men, The Temptations, and Queen Latifah did the halftime show. And the game was played at Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego. Wow. <laughs> So that's like the earliest Super Bowl memory that I remember. Really anything before that's kind of hazy to me. I remember a little bit of like the 97 World Series. Um, my Indians were in that. That's about as far back as I can go. Like six, seven years old, you didn't really care too much about sports as a kid, but I sure did. So I was just curious to see what you, uh, what your earliest um, memories were, but. Yeah. Now I will say my earliest football memory though, I guess from like a championship standpoint would be in 2007, which was two years before the Saints Super Bowl when the um, LSU Tigers won the national championship. On my birthday. How could I forget? <laughs> <laughs> that was against my Buckeyes too. Oh, one more quick thing I was going to say. So going back to that, that's that Saints year too, because I was in Florida. So that was actually the year that I moved to Florida. So they got all that, you know, hurricane weather, obviously. I lived on the Atlantic side of Florida. That's how big the hurricane was. I got rain from Hurricane Katrina and wind. It was just crazy. But uh, going back to the season, I remember um, they would nationally televise a lot of the Saints games that year because, you know, everybody was feeling for them. They wanted to show support um, for the Saints throughout the season. So they would televise their games. And they would play home games on the road in their other team's opponent's stadiums. And the rest would come out and they would have no idea who the home team was. It was absolutely embarrassing. You could totally see the refs doing that kind of stuff too, especially the way the refs are now. Like, can you believe that? They would come out 
and they would have their mic on and they would say, wait, which team is the home team? Because the other team is supposed to do the coin toss, the away team, obviously. So it was just, it was such a crazy season. Um, and I was really happy for them. That's what kind of grew the Saints on me a little bit in my heart because, you know, I feel like there's really nothing wrong with the Saints. They've never really been in any problems except for, you know, Bounty Gate, which was all Greg Williams and his BS, but we're not going to get into that. All right, Matt. Um, let's take it over to our coaches segment where since last week, since we've talked, you know, we have those coaches that got fired that we went over. Um, there was some more news the couple following days after that, but a lot has happened in the last week since we last had the show and I'll let you take it away. What do you have to say on some of the coaching coaching news? Well, a lot of the interviews have been happening, um, you know, a lot of it through Zoom and, you know, computer meetings, but then they've also started doing a lot of in-person meetings this week. Um, a lot of interviews for candidates that gets the second interview, of course, in person. And of course, there's always usually a third interview in person as well. Um, but the main one I kind of want to talk about is one that was kind of talked about for a while at first around Black Monday, and then it kind of died down. But mm-hmm. now it's flare back up with Bruce Feldman's report that if offered, there's people close to Michigan and Jim Harbaugh that says he would take the Raiders job if they offered it to him. Wow. And I think that would be a great fit. But I have a I, 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 absolutely, and this is the way I look at it. Right too is who is a current free agent coach that he could get to go with him to kind of just start to mold that franchise into his image, and it's the same one that he had with him on the Forty ers It's the same one that had the Bears thinking they was going to win the NFC North every year, and then it's the same guy that the Broncos just fired. Hang on, though, Bangio. So as far as going back to Harbaugh, I'm not going to pick on him too much. I know he's the Michigan coach. I actually do have a lot of tremendous individual respect for Harbaugh, but I feel like he came out and say it was his dream job to coach at Michigan. And now he all of a sudden potentially wants to leave for what? Because he got his team into the playoffs finally for once. He finally beat Ohio State for once in 10 years. But I I would say, honestly, though, um, all jokes aside, I think if you were to make that jump, this would be the best year to do it because say he goes back to college next year and then he loses to Ohio state or he doesn't go into the, um, into the playoffs in college. Then what? Then I feel like it's not going to ruin his reputation, but he's not going to have the, the motivation or the traction to, to make that lead back into the NFL. Cause he was a great NFL coach. I really had a lot of respect for him in the NFL. He did a good job in San Francisco um, amongst other positions that he's, he's coached at. I just think that, if this was the year to do it, he should do it then. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree. And like you said, I, I think the Raiders, I think that's also very intriguing where that report came out because where there's smoke, there's fire. We always. we always, always know that. And I just, if it was going to be any team, you know, I know a lot of Chicago people who are really still hoping that he's the guy that they hire, but it's the Raiders. If I have to say, if he leaves the college, it's got to be for the reason. That's why I'll say that. Right. Where was he at previously before Michigan? He was in the NFL for the 49ers. He spent a lot of time on the West Coast. He had a house on the West Coast. I think he still does. He lived on the West Coast for a while, forever. Um, now he's at Michigan, right? What would be the job to take him back? Another West Coast job. But this time you're not in the NFC, right? You're in the AFC. And now that you're in the AFC, you got to look at the division, right? You're in a very, very tough division. But you have a really solid football team in the Raiders, a playoff team in the Raiders. Um, you have 
Yeah, they went there with their special teams coordinator as their head coach. You have a good bit of cap space, right, to try to make some plays at somebody. Um, you you just imagine you add somebody like, say, Devontae Adams through free agency to pair him back up with Derek Carr um, and Hunter Renfro. Then you go out and add some more key defensive players. You draft well. The Raiders could theoretically be right back in this position next year in the playoffs, except with a much better team. Now, I'm still rooting for rich to get the job to keep the job i think he did a phenomenal job of what he had to work with this year leading oh, up to the playoffs with all the distractions and all the problems but mm-hmm. i wouldn't be mad at this no i think it's a good fit i'm again i'm really curious to see what hapster has to say i'm gonna have to bring him on and talk about it but we'll have to wait and see what happens obviously um but as far as the coaches search goes you this is the thing you're gonna hear a lot of crazy name connections to teams um getting interviewed and you're gonna say why like why is that player or ex player or whatever coordinator from Alabama tech interviewing for a head coaching job. And that's what it is. You have to, um, you have to interview a few minority candidates before you go after your coach. It's the rules. So you're going to hear a lot of crazy names. Actually, there was a couple of names that have popped up, Matt, if you, if you won't mind explaining some of the names you've seen, as minority candidates to get interviewed for coaching jobs. There was one actually just broke a little bit ago. Wasn't there. Wasn't that Ian Rappaport reported it? Oh, about someone getting um interviewed for a coaching job. Yeah. Oh, uh, one sec. Yeah. I had it right here. Yeah. So why you doing it? It was, it was Josh McCown, <laughs> former quarterback of, 20 NFL teams uh, getting a head coaching interview. <laughs> so you're going to hear some names like that. Um, a lot of, a lot of other names to just uh, to be more specific was a Jared Mayo, a former linebacker of the Patriots who is, I forget where he is now, but he's gotten yeah, a coaching interview. You're definitely going to hear a lot of, a lot of names, you know, thrown out there for head coaching candidates. They're going to interview a lot of people. Um, but I think, I think when you go into these situations, right, I think each team knows, right, they have probably a list of maybe three candidates. Like, these are the guys we think are going to be it, but we're going to interview these six. And then normally after they get after that, they whittled it down to, like, two. And then after that, they normally have one, right? They do a final interview with, and that's right. generally the head coach. Um, generally, when you see, you know, guys getting, you know, multiple interviews and then, you know, advancing to the in-person interviews, those are usually the people you could just be in the finalists. Um, but of course, off, again, you know, they could be interviewing people and have someone else completely off the wall that they're going to hire that they didn't even interview. So speaking of coaches, I did have one uh, final thing um, as far as the, the, the coaches topic goes. And I actually tweeted this out. I didn't say it on the show last week. Um, I, I meant to, but I got, you know, I, I passed it over and, and didn't pull the trigger on it. But I was thinking of Last week's games, which we're going to get into, we're going to recap those here in a second. Um, I had a poll in my mind on which coach would make a bad decision. Something that would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, because this is the playoffs. You're going to see all sorts of stuff come out, whether it's a trick play or a coach try to get fancy in some sort of aspect. And really, I thought it was going to be Zach Taylor because this, you know, his first year of coaching in the playoffs um, he had a couple hiccups towards the end of the game that almost, you know, cost him the game against the chiefs, but it wasn't him. It was the other one that I was, that was the obvious one. Mike McCarthy 
and his play calling, not even though I don't know if Kellen Moore is calling the plays, but you know, him being the coach, it's on him. You know, the, the play call where he had Dak sneak the ball with no timeouts at the end of the game. And I can even say that Andy Reid made Mike McCarthy a run for his money at first. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Patrick Mahomes. And you're going to go and line up a wide receiver as quarterback and running back and cause a fumble to give up points against the Steelers. Like, come on, man. Like plays like that are what can cost you a playoff game and even potentially get you yeah. fired. <laughs> so. Absolutely. And I, I agree with that to a sense of, you know, these coaches will, will, will have the whole season, right. Doing the right thing or doing one thing. And then when the playoffs get, they try to do a little too much and it ends up costing them yeah. you know, the game we or see it every their year. season because they did that. Um, I mean, like you said, you look at, Patrick Mahomes and them, right? They didn't cost them the game, obviously, but at the beginning, it was a huge momentum switch. Um, if the Absolutely. Steelers had any type of offense that game, they you know, probably would have made that really interesting. Um, and then, you, of course, you look at the Dallas Cowboys game, right? Obviously, it didn't come down to this, just that last play, right? Obviously, the, all the penalties, all the drops, just defensive woes. There's a lot of reasons they lost that game. But come on, man. You, you call a quarterback draw in that situation that's the thing too right that's the right play call with a timeout with a timeout is the perfect play call you just got like 15 yards you call it timeout you still have about nine seconds left. yeah then you're in a play for a, then you a hail mary two, theoretically maybe two more chances to throw the ball downfield and in in what the 30-ish yard range that's not a bad throw that's you can run some plays there not just a hail mary um but you don't do that you you try to do too much. You think, oh, we'll do this. You 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 gambled on too many what ifs in that situation, right? Or too many that should happen. You didn't think about the possibilities of what could go wrong, right? What if Dak Prescott runs down here and gets hit, fumbles the ball, right? Or what if they get down there and the referee trips and doesn't get there in time to get the ball spiked? Or what if an offensive lineman trips and hurts himself and can't get down there, right? right you don't have a rule, timeout no more. The rule is the ref has to touch the ball. He gave the ball to his center. Absolutely. And I'm sure we we're going to talk about that. In those situations, but... you, you have to understand that that play call was a direct indication or indication was a direct result of why that game ended the way it did right you you didn't get a well let's watch him throw one more time in the end zone with no timeout and see what happened play right you gotta the game is over because you didn't get the ball off Uh oh did you hear that i just played the nfl draft jingle you know what that means we get to do a mock draft matt call it peace of mind mock draft 1.0 your team's over there playing for super bowls i get to do mock drafts in january <laughs> never thought i'd be here one thing before we get to the mock draft sure what you got i want to bring this up about cliff kingsbury ah well actually you know what i'll save it i'll save it for when we talk about the games because i do want to tie that into arizona so you know what don't mind me. We'll save that. Let's continue with the mock draft. All right, carry on, carry on. So last year, um, it was probably our, if I'm doing the numbers right, we probably did maybe seven or eight shows before this. But the, we had an episode, we had a um, 
we had a big show this day. We had, we had Marley on. Uh, we did a, a full simulation of the mock draft. And it was so fun. And if you actually could go back on, on onto Spotify, it's on there um, on a Peace of Mind Sports Talk. It's our number one listened episode, by the way. People like mock drafts. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, we're going to just run through the round one um, fairly quickly. Um, but we're going to go over it as we go. And how we're going to do it, um, it was actually Matt's idea. We decided that he's going to have the first pick, which means once he makes his pick, I obviously cannot pick the same player to go to the next team. So we're going to do it as if we are GMs and we can't grab that player for that team if somebody else takes them. So we're going to do a simulation. We're just going to go through round one. Um, we'll read the names as we go for those of you that are listening on Spotify. Uh, we are, of course, using Pro Football Focus Mock Draft Simulator. And Matt, are you ready to do Peace of Minds Mock Draft 1.0? You know. I am. <laughs> All right, let's get it. With the first pick, I'm not going to do the jingle every time for this one. I'll, I'll say that for the draft. But you are up on the clock at number one with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just so everybody knows, too, for the record, obviously, only the first 24 picks are solidified in the draft order. Picks 25 through 32 are still in the playoffs because it is January 20th. But who is the number one pick in the NFL drafts? With the number one overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Evan Neal, tackle Alabama. Wow. And this is the reason I went with Evan Neal, right? Everyone can say, you know, oh, it's got to be Aiden Hutchinson or it's got to be Kayvon Thibodeau. Who says? Is that, is that because the mock drafts say it? Is that what, because they're number one and two on the big boards most of the time? What do the Jaguar, Jaguars need more than anything? Protection. protection for their franchise quarterback. Supposedly. Trevor Lawrence ran for his life this year, man. Yeah. You know that. You, yeah. you, you, know, you know that coming from being a Browns fan that without a good offensive line, <laughs> your quarterback, regardless if he's you know he's good or not, if he's an early round pick, is not even going to get that chance to show he's that good. Um, oh. I've been seeing a lot of heat, too, about Evan Neal here. There's some people... Um, that have a lot of say, um, a lot of say, a lot of sources that say Evan Neal is leaning to be the number one overall pick because of that issue. Now, like I said, this could be Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson. You know, edge guys always good to go with. They make a lot of money, but nothing says draft for the future like a franchise tackle. So I'm going to go Evan Neal. Well said, well said. <clears throat> All right, with the second pick in the 2022 NFL draft. The Detroit Lions select Aiden Hutchinson to stay in Michigan, and I, I just have to say that it's it's, it's a great fit. Um, Dan Campbell would really like to have a player like him on his team, as would anybody else. I think he's definitely one of the top three players in the NFL draft. He goes to number two in Detroit. Yeah, I, honestly, even if they had the number one overall pick. I think they still would take Aiden Hutchinson in the lines because that's that's just the perfect story, right? Michigan kid goes to Michigan, um, you know, make t takes his team to the playoffs and gets a chance to stay in Michigan, being that franchise edge guy for them. I love that. Nice pick. All right, Matt, number three. 
All right, so there was two people I debated in this spot. Both of them are arguably best at their position. Um, but I ended up deciding to go with Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, and the there reason I went with Kayvon Thibodeau is because the Texans desperately need star players. And when they say desperately need star players, they need them. What better way to replace J.J. Watt? Yeah, they need that energy, Thibodeau. especially in the AFC South. You need physical defensive players. I agree. Oh, I guess I'm up then. Number four with the New York Jets, Jets, Jets. Well, they really have the field here, honestly. Um, they could go a few different ways. I'm curious how they really feel about Zach Wilson. I don't think they're going to take a quarterback, especially this high. Um, they have two picks in the top 10. Um, the Giants also have two picks in the top 10, which is unbelievable. And then just for recap, the Philadelphia Eagles have three picks in the top 20. So maybe potential trades on that. Um, but there's some great players here. And I think the Jets, you know, they have Robert Salah. They started getting a little bit of offense help, but they really want to turn it over to the defense. I'm going to have them take Kyle Hamilton safety out of Notre Dame. Um, they're going to want that player like Jamal Adams to come in there and really just kind of be a star on that defense. Uh, he's one of the best players in the draft. Kyle Hamilton goes number four to the Jets. You know, I like that pick because I kind of feel what you're going on there, right? I think it, they could go defense. I think if they go offense, it'll be offensive linemen. Um, and I think that kind of just maybe speaks on where Evan Neal goes, right? If Evan Neal is still there at five, I think that's 100% the pick for the Giants. Um, but I think Jets. you made the right pick. Jets, my bad. You made the right pick for the Jets because you've got to go best player available, um, you know, at a certain standpoint. And I think that's what they got right there. Kyle Hamilton's a freak. I know safeties, right, don't get a lot of love because of the position, but Kyle Hamilton's a, a playmaker, right? He's. I think he's going to be an all-pro. I think he's going to have the type of rookie season that uh Justin Jeff, I mean Justin Jefferson and just you know Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow had, right? Not of course yeah. they're offensive guys, but when you look at what he did defensively, he has an impact right away to make an impact. Like no, I'm sorry. He has a chance to make an impact right away like Michael Parsons did. Sorry, I got tongue-tied right there. You're good. Pick number five, Matt. Giants. Pick number the five, clock. the Giants. Now, see, this is where it gets a little interesting right here. And you could go anything right here. You could go DB, right? You could go Derek Singley Jr. But they have another top 10 pick here to try and grab another corner. I'm actually going to go tackle here and i'm going to take charles cross from mississippi state he's been getting a lot of hype here recently he's moved into the top 10 of a lot of people's boards that's a great pick. I think you've got to protect the quarterback before you do anything what i would say honestly if even so the giants have two picks in the first round i don't know how they feel about daniel jones coming back my pick there specifically would probably be quarterback because i think carolina is going to take a quarterback so i think the giants would use a quarterback there um that way they can take the best you know, quarterback, that way they're not going to be able to get the quarterback they want with the seventh pick since Carolina would pick them. But Charles Cross is a great player, and I think he's going to give a lot of help on the offense, get their running game back going. Um, he, he's probably very well in pass protection as well. They're going to need help there. So that's, that's a good pick. Um, so that gift wraps this pick for the Carolina Panthers. Um, I'm just going to go right out. There, there's a lot of good players that are still on the board positional wise, they could go out and get best available, but I'm going to go up to 
the quarterbacks here and see all the quarterbacks that are still up here. And I think the first quarterback is going to go with this pick. And I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett is going to go to the Carolina Panthers in mock draft. You just crushed the hearts of all the Steelers fans. <laughs> Good. <laughs> no, they don't have a pick that's, until that's, 20. That's not a bad pick, man. Honestly, I, I 100% agree with you. I don't think, honestly, any of these quarterbacks are top 10 worthy. Now, not saying that they're, they're complete crap, right? I just think when you look at some of the previous quarterback drafts right they've kind of been yeah that guy's gonna go one or he's gonna go top five right of course Jim, joe burrow justin herbert um trevor lawrence but these guys all have a chance to be good um so i definitely think one of these teams though in the top 10 you know whether it's the panthers whether it's the falcons or whether it's the broncos are going to take a quarterback but that's 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 not a bad fit kenny pickett there gets surrounded by a bunch of talent i love it nice pick all right pick number seven the your Sorry, tongue twisted myself. The New York Giants, um, their pick from the Chicago Bears, they are at number seven. Well, this is going to be an easy pick here because this is, in my opinion, one of the best players available in the board. And honestly, him falling to seven here, I think the Giants would just probably lose their mind being able to grab this guy at seven. Yeah, because they could take him getting out of five. Good offensive lineman. I'm going to go Derek Singler Jr. here. You, you get that CB1, that all-pro corner that can lock down one side of the field. So I'm going to go Derek Stingley. Look, you, you think of the receivers that are in the NFC East. They got to have some sort of pass, um, pass defense over there against those Cowboys receivers. We don't know if they're all going to stay there, which we might have to get to some rumors in a little bit, especially surrounding Amari Cooper that I've been reading on Twitter. But you look at players like Terry McLaurin, you know, on Washington, um, Devonta Smith on the Eagles. You got to have pass protection. Pass defense, I'm sorry. So Stingley Jr. there, they could even take him at five. But for them to be able to get one of the top tackles and then be able to get Stingley is a W. All right, pick number eight. The Atlanta Falcons are on the clock. And, man, honestly, again, they have, there's great players available throughout the whole draft. And I really told myself, I was like, there's no way any of these quarterbacks are going to go in the top 10. I think a second quarterback is going to go here. Um, really, if I think going back to the New York pick, if they didn't take a quarterback first there, I would say that it would be Matt Corral because even though he's going to be coming off the injury, they can sit him behind Daniel Jones and then eventually mold him into the offense as either the season goes or until he's healthy following the season. But that's why I don't think Corral's going to go here. They're going to need an immediate starter. I think Matt Ryan is washed and done in Atlanta. So I'm going to go with Malik Willis. Quarterback Liberty to the Atlanta Falcons. I, I think Malik Willis is probably, if, if, if Willis doesn't go to Carolina, he goes to Atlanta. Because he's. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks coming out. I actually love that pick a lot, dude, because there was a lot of people that was mocking Trey Lance last year to the Falcons. Yeah. Um, and so, but I, I like that. I, I de definitely think if the Falcons are going to go quarterback, right, because they already said that they're committed to Matt Ryan, at least for one more season. I think you have to take a quarterback here, right? I think you could get another guy like a Sauce Gardner or, you know, a George Karloffis from um, Purdue as an edge rusher. 
But when you think of long terms, you've got to get your quarterback now, right? Especially someone with the type of talent Malik Willis has, right? As a dual threat. Mm -hmm. You sit him for a year behind Matt Ryan, right? Then you break him out and you have Kyle Pitts. You have Russell Gage. Hopefully you have Calvin Ridley back, right? You have a lot of weapons for him early on. You just continue to build the offensive line, of course. And, you know, you will see. I love the pick. And I think that will probably cause – I think this is the range where you start to see some quarterbacks go, and I think this is where you start to see maybe some people try to trade up for quarterbacks. Yeah, because the Broncos do need one too. They have the pick at number nine. But let's see what you have in store for us, Matt. I think I'm going to keep the trend going here. I think I'm going to go quarterback here for the Broncos. Wow. I think Teddy Bridgewater is exactly what his name says, bridge. I think he's a bridge quarterback. Um, he didn't play bad, but they definitely need to get that guy for the future. They've had hit and misses and free agency. Um, they draft Drew Locke a few years ago, and he just hasn't turned yeah, out. Yeah, he's a good guy, but he's but just I'm not gonna it. But I'm going to take who I think is probably the best quarterback in this class and a guy I hyped up all year, and that's Matt Corral. Wow. Matt Corral. You pair him with Jerry Judy. You pair him with Tim Patrick, you pair him with Cortland Sutton, you get him Javante Williams as well, good running game. You have a great young offensive line. They have a, a good offense. A lot of young pieces. They do. You're a good overall team. To, to, to Honestly, them picking at nine is just a bonus, if I'm being honest, because while their season wasn't good, they have great talent all over that roster. Yeah, I don't think but they trade I up. I think quarterback is... What is it? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I don't think they trade up to get a quarterback because I don't think any team is desperate enough for one of these quarterbacks to give up that many assets. I think one of these quarterbacks, regardless, is going to fall to nine at Denver, so they'll have their choices there. Um, but that's a good Absolutely. pick. Absolutely. And I, I, I love the pick there. I think his swagger <laughs> and the way he plays, right? You pair him up with all the talent there. It's just a perfect fit. <sighs> all right. The, the Jets are on the clock again. Boy, some of these are getting pretty tough. I just don't know, you know, really what else they need. Um, so just to recap, they took Kyle Hamilton. <sighs> you know what? Let's kind of look at the, let's look at the trades here. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'm going to do this. All right. I think the Jets move back and get some trade capital. Cause they they're good. They they really could use two top ten picks on their team, absolutely. But I think that they're going to make a trade here, and I think this team is going to move up because they really want this player. He could probably fall to them at fourteen, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. So the Baltimore Ravens are going to move up, and it didn't do the trade on the screen. But this is going to be Baltimore's pick here at number ten. And they're going to draft Sauce Gardner. And it's one of my biggest fears for the AFC North. And that is because you're going to need a player to guard Jamar Chase on the defensive side. And I think watching that two times a year is straight popcorn, man. Get your popcorn ready. I think he goes in a trade with the Ravens at number 10, Matt. Wow, our first trade. Hmm, that's interesting. I think they could do that, and I think if they would, that's absolutely a, a nice pick. Um, I think he, I think he would be there available potentially at fourteen. Um, but you know, obviously, you know, they felt like they need to make a move. Now, at eleven, Washington football team. Now, this could be a lot of things, right? 
this could be another quarterback taken here. This could be best available player, but I do think they have to go quarterback here. You have Tyler Hen- um, Taylor Henneke, um, but that's pretty much it. You really don't know what else you have. And I feel like as a whole, the team is good. You have a really good defense. You have good skill players that receive. You have a really good running back. The offensive line isn't bad. I think you have to go your quarterback here. I think you have to fit, get your quarterback, whether you start mm-hmm. Heineke and let him sit for a year or whether you throw him out in the fire and let him start right away, which we've seen great results. Of course, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, um, Baker Mayfield, f- to an extent, you've seen people do good starting right away. So I'm going to go Sam Howell here. Be a good fit. Quarterback, North Carolina. So like I, like I said, going back to the quarterback thing, I don't see really a team – getting desperate enough to move up for a quarterback unless they feel the team in front of them is going to take it. But other than that, I think a lot of these GMs are going to sit patient as this draft goes on, but this is what's going to happen. All right. So say one quarterback goes in the top 10. All right. You know, that's expected. It's after the second quarterback goes in the top 10 is when a team like Denver and a team like Washington are going to take a quarterback because they don't know if he's going to come back around for the second round. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things where, like, it's like a chain reaction. So they're going to start picking quarterbacks left and right in the first round, like like what happened last year. We didn't think any of those quarterbacks were going to go besides Trevor Lawrence in the, in the top five. And here they all, you know, go crazy and draft quarterbacks. So they get the sweats. They start seeing these quarterbacks fall off their boards. And they're like, all right, I got to go out and get my guy. So that's a good pick there. Which takes us to pick number 12 with the Minnesota Vikings. Gosh, they, they kind of need a quarterback too, man. I'm not going to lie. But I really feel like they, they need defense. Um, They could go Carl Aftis here. Tyler Linderbaum is still on the, on the, you know, on the mock draft here, which is very interesting. I think he's actually the top two offensive lineman in the draft, but I'm not exactly sure which team needs a center. Um, so I think they go with Carl Aftis here. They need a, they need defense. The edge rusher from Purdue goes to number 12, Minnesota. Oh, my Browns are on the clock at 13. I think if he's here and the Browns feel this is their need, which I and many others feel this is their need, I feel like you have to make this pick. I just not only from the need standpoint, just from the location standpoint, I'm going to take Garrett Wilson receiver, Ohio state. Wow. You think he's, you think he's the best available wide receiver? Cause I don't see the Browns going out and signing a, a $50 million receiver in free agency. I think nobody can Garrett Wilson is, is, is the best receiver in this draft. Now I think Jamison Williams can argue, could, could make a argument for that as well. But obviously, you know, he tore his ACL. So we'll see where he falls and how far he falls. But I feel like Garrett Wilson here is, is a, is a home run pick. I feel he automatically starts to expand your playbook, right? You can do so much stuff with him, put him in the slot, put him on the outside, maybe give him an, you know, some handoff in the backfield. He's just an electric player, man. All right, that leaves, well, you would technically have Baltimore here, but the, so the Jets are on the clock now. That would be me at 14, actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right, you made my pick. Man, with all these receivers, this is crazy. Like, I really hope they draft the receiver. We'll have to definitely keep an eye on that, but there's a lot of exciting different ways that they can go. They could even take, you know, best, best available player. 
Um, another feared thing though, if, if this was my pick at 14 and Baltimore stays and they could take Gardner at 14, if he was there, like you said, Oh man, I really feel like they could go defense here too. Um, as far as the jets go, I think they're going to take Nakobe Dean linebacker, Georgia. I think he's definitely a top 15 player. Ooh, Eagle fans will be upset with that one. Yeah, they would. They got two picks in a row, too. They might even trade out, but. I'm going to go at 15 with the Eagles. I mean, you 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 have to go. Mm. Why not add another it's weapon for here. Jalen Hurts? It's tough here. You, you, oh my you gosh. have to find. Jalen Hurt playmakers. You invested in Rager, but he hasn't really done anything. You just took Avante Smith last year. So I feel like receiver would three years in a row. You have three first round picks. Yeah, so. they have Rager too. He's been productive. So I probably wouldn't go there either, even though it'd be tempting with the wide receivers that are still on the board. I think Jalen Hurts is the answer. You know what? I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball. And for their first pick, I'm going to get them an edge rusher, David Ajobu from Michigan. I think he has a lot of upside. I think Bad he has a job. lot of talent. Yeah. He has a chance to go higher than this. He has a chance to go top 10. But the Eagles get him here at 15. They get a immediately upgrade on the edge and someone that can get after the quarterback. All right, so then they're also going to need somebody to protect them as I get an Eagles pick here as well. This is their pick swap from Indy. Uh, their 15 pick was a pick swap from Miami. Um Gosh, so they got Carson Wentz out of this pick, huh? I think they're going to need <laughs> offensive line help. They could go with a Iguanu kid from North Carolina State um, at tackle. Again, I don't know if they need a center or not. I just feel like this kid's too good to not be in the top 16. Um, I'm just going to have them take Linderbaum. Eagles are going to take center Tyler Linderbaum or an offensive player, offensive lineman. They definitely will go offense there, though. Pick 17, Matt. I think you may see a run on corners in in this in this area here. There's a lot of good ones, um, especially with the first two off the board in Stingley and Sauce. I think the Chargers could go a lot of areas here. I don't think they need to go receiver. They went tackle last year. You know what? I'm going to upgrade the defense for them, and I'm going to have the Chargers take Trent McDuffie, cornerback Washington. Trent McDuffie, cornerback Washington. All right. So with the 18th pick, the Saints are on the clock. Oh, boy. Man, they can really use a lot of things here. Ah, here we go. Oof. Man, I'm really torn, honestly. I'm going to have them take a receiver here. I'm torn between Jamison Williams and Drake London. All right. I'm going to have the Saints take Drake London. They're going to need they're going to need another receiver. Marquez Callaway ain't it at one who had a productive season. Um I don't know if Michael Thomas is coming back or not. So you have to get that wide receiver security there. Oh, the Eagles are on a clock again. You get two Eagles picks, Matt. They got defensive help. They drafted protection. I think in this spot, 
I think you just have to try to surround Jalen Hurts with as many weapons as you can and just hopefully you can score a lot of points. I'm going to take Chris Olave, receiver, Ohio State. Wow. All right. Oh, almost clicked the wrong one. Pick number 20, Marley's Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, are they really going to take a rookie quarterback? Oh, man, I don't... If if it's not Pickett, I don't think they do. Oh, man, they have so many options as well. Just good for them. That Ritter kid's there, quarterback of Cincinnati. I mean, I just... Oh, I think if Pickett's there, he would be the obvious choice. I don't think he falls that far. They can also play in their backyard and take Dotson from Penn State as wide receiver. But, dude, Jamison Williams is there. They got to take. I think they go for Jamison Williams. Take a wide receiver. Interesting. I, I don't know. I still think maybe if, like, if one of the other ones, Carson Strong could be an option there for them as well. I think if... If they have an option at quarterback between maybe a Willis or something like that, maybe they go quarterback there. That's not a bad pick. I think Williamson may fall a little farther than that because of the ACL, but that's not a bad pick there. They definitely could use you know some more receiver help there. All right, pick 21, the New England Patriots, Matt. If anything feels like a Patriots pick probably a defensive player or offensive lineman um you don't really see them invest highly in skill guys early in the draft so staying with the bell belichick way i'm gonna invest in a corner roger mccreary auburn roger mccreary they need, they Over need a good defensive Ooh. back they lost stefan gilmore they have J.C. Jackson. They need someone opposite of him, and I think he could step in and be that CB2. You pick him over Elam. Interesting. I think, yeah, he's a, he was a great player. He struggled in that, uh, in that Penn State game. All right, the Raiders are on the clock. Boy. Man, do they, they have to keep Derek Carr, man. I don't think there's no way that they trade him away after him getting to the playoffs. Like, to get a possible coach, you get Harbaugh in there. They're going to come out and they're going to get players, man. Why not protect them um, with Ikwanu from North Carolina State tackle? I think they take a, I think they take a tackle. I think they're going to go after a big free agent wide receiver, pay him a lot of money, Um then they stay on the offensive side with the draft. Which takes you to Cliff Kingsbury's Arizona Cardinals at pick 23. I think you could go either way here. Defense or offense. How about a quarterback over five feet tall? <laughs> Kidding. But I'm going to continue to go into the protect Kyler Murray scene. I'm going to take Kenyon Green, guard from Texas A&M. See, that's a good pick. That was one of the bigger... One of, there was a couple of linemen that are like 6'7". I thought he was one of them. 6'4", 325. 
Okay. Yeah, he had a very successful year. He only gave up one sack this year. He gave up no sacks last year. Year before. Yeah, I think that's a solid pick. Um, Jeez. Honestly, the yeah, the Cardinals can really explore a lot of different options there as far as either weapons. They, they do have the weapons. I don't know, man. Maybe they even go after a, a number one running back. There haven't been any running backs taken yet. I'm just curious to see. Yeah, you got players like, hmm, maybe, I don't know, Matt. Do you think one of these teams are reaching the top 20 and take a running back? We haven't seen one come out yet. You got Kyron Williams, Damian Pierce, Brees Hall. Maybe, Kenneth I don't Walker. think so, but maybe. I don't know, Isaiah Spiller. I don't know, there's a lot of, ooh, a lot of movement there. All right, the Dallas Cowboys are on the clock. And can they pick a college coach in the first round? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> Let me get out of this thing here. Take these filters off. You know what? Let's stop after the Cowboys pick. Because 25, again, 25 to 32, those teams are still in the playoffs. We don't know the, exactly their order. We can discuss them, but I feel like we should let those marinate. What do you think? I'm gonna make the I'm, I'm gonna make the that. Cowboys. I'll make the Cowboys pick here. Uh, the last pick and the first ever piece of my mock draft this year. <clears throat> they could I don't know if they need any more linemen help. They have a pretty good line. They could put somebody on the opposite corner of Trayvon Diggs. Gosh, I can't even remember their other DBs on their team. I feel like I should though. Um they could go really Elam here. Um, why not add another weapon? Draft this Dotson kid from Penn State, who's arguably one of the most underrated wide receivers in the draft as well. Oh, I don't know. See, Traylon Burks was there. I already drafted him. Uh, if I had a coin flip between Burks and Dotson, I'd say one of those two would go to the Dallas Cowboys. That's going to wrap up. Our peace of mind, mock draft 1.0. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit. This weather just takes it out of me. I'm actually going to go ahead and I'm going to snap a picture of this real quick and save it. Standby chat. And Spotify listeners. Yeah, it's just kind of funny how like over the past few even months we've been talking about all year how like oh none of these quarterbacks are round one worthy wouldn't necessarily say that but top 10 worthy and we have like four in the top 12 you never know we'll have to wait and see what happens but that's why we do these we'll obviously have another one and i'm sure it'll be different at least in the from pick number three all the way down could be very different very exciting i think this i think this draft is going to be be amazing and i'm really looking forward to it definitely looking forward to 2.0 all right matt you got a little tidbit before we get into our recap of last week's games and then we're going to make our picks for this week's games to wrap up the show tonight so we appreciate everybody hanging out with us on a wonderful thursday evening peace of mind absolutely i'm just do a run through a quick little tidbit of it before you know we hop in these games it's just about cliff kingsbury and the cardinals right oh it yeah it seems 
he has trouble finishing seasons and it's dated back all the way to when he was in texas so from 2013 to right now this is how cliff kingsbury's teams has let ended the season starting back in 2013 at texas tech he lost five of his last six in 2014 he lost four of his last six in 2015 he lost four of his last six again in 2016 six of eight in 2017 wow. six of eight again in 2018, he lost five of six. Then made the jump, obviously, to the NFL and the Arizona Cardinals. First year in the NFL, 2019, he's lost the last seven of his nine. Last year, 2020, he lost five of the last seven. And then this year, to end the season, he lost five of his last six games, including the playoff. That is unacceptable. I mean, you're talking about a successful coach throughout the season, but you got to be able to finish. They were in it. They were sitting really good. They had the number one seed for a while, and everybody thought, "Oh, they're unbeatable. They're seven and zero. Could they go undefeated?" And the then they ran the into the Packers. They literally broke them in pieces. They lost a lot of games after that. I know they sustained a lot of injuries, but we haven't really used that as an excuse all year because that was around the whole league. So that's that's just wild. I don't really have much to say about that, but how does he defend that? You know, in his year review. At the end of the season, tough. It's tough, especially because it's becoming a track record. All right, man. And the Go last for thing before we get into these games in 2013, did you know that the Washington football team had Matt Lafleur, Sean McVay, and Kyle Shanahan on the coaching staff? I'm sure at one point I did know that, but I completely forgot until you shared it to me the other day, and I was like, wow, that is crazy. I mean, that's like... Kyle Shanahan was um, the offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur was the quarterback's coach, and Sean McVay was the tight end's coach, who, by the way, at the time, was like 25 years old as a position coach in the NFL. Oh, yeah, he's still young. Oh, yeah, he's like 32. Tom Brady, another little tidbit, Tom Brady is currently older than every coach left in the NFC playoffs. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I think that was one of mine, too. Yeah, that's fantastic. Isn't that crazy? Oh, uh, well, I li- besides Bruce Arians. Besides, he's, oh, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's old in Bruce Arians. The other three teams. But yeah, and then he's the on coaches. the same team as him, though. <laughs> All right, Matt. There was, some, uh, there was some football last week, wasn't there, huh? Wild card weekend in the NFL season. Man, I, I could not take my eyes off of these Saturday games. Matt, I'm telling you, these were some of the greatest games that I've seen. A lot of ref catastrophe things happened as well. But um, it really was an awesome game to, to see, you know, the Bills and Patriots game with all that momentum build up for it. You know, can they finally take down Bill Belichick and be rulers of the uh, AFC East? And it, it was a good game for a while. I wouldn't call it a, a good game because they won by 30. But it was a good game in a sense of, you know, just the intensity, you know, for each team to be playing each other just meant for a really good game. But let's start with the early game, the Raiders and Bengals. Led by. Who is it? McPherson carries the Bengals to a 26 to 19 victory over the Raiders. It was a kicking game for the most part, but no, uh, the players. Chase Burrow, they they got it done. <laughs> they got it done, and it was against the Joe Raiders t- team. Like we Joe said, played Shice. tough all year, played hard all year, overcame so much adversity. 
locked up a playoff spot and fought the Bengals to the last to the last drive. Um, what are your thoughts on this game? Joey franchise. No, nah, man, this this <laughs> this this was a really good game, but I ain't gonna lie, I've I expected the Bengals to win. Yeah, we both um, I knew them. it was gonna be a t- Tough game. I knew it was going to be a hard fault game just because the you know the momentum the Raiders have been playing with here lately. But I expected this from the Bengals, and they have a tough, tough challenge this week. Oh, I'm looking forward to that game. Really looking forward to see what happens. We'll get to that in a little bit. But all right, Matt, any thoughts on the Bills and Patriots game? What a blowout. <laughs> I mean, uh, there really isn't much to say. It was just an absolute beatdown. The Bills did it everything they wanted on offense and the Patriots just took it. So then we had three games on the Sunday slate. Um, Buccaneers beat the Eagles 31 to 15. Um, I really didn't get a chance to watch that game, um, but we kind of expected Tampa Bay to come out maybe not as strong as they did, but they, they really took control of the game early and really never looked back. I mean, the Eagles scored 15 points in the fourth quarter, but Tom Brady again, continues to win. And they win big over the Eagles. Matt, any thoughts on this game? <laughs> Not many. Same kind of same with the Browns. The the Buccaneers just kind of did whatever they wanted. They they came out was the better team, had more talent, played better, had the better quarterback. Now let's get into a little controversy, Matt. We both picked the 49ers to win this game. And we should have known why. And we should have went to Vegas, or I should have drove. To, to the PA borderline, found the first rest stop and bet $100 on the 49ers to win as underdogs. I would have made quite a bit of money over this game. We just knew the 49ers were going to have enough to win this game. You know, the Cowboys scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. They had a shot on the last drive of the game. But like we recapped earlier, the old play call for Dak to run a sneak, which was a good play with just under 20 seconds to go in the game. They had no timeouts. Deck gives the ball to his center instead of the referee chugging 30 yards down the field. They don't get the next playoff in time. Time expires. 49ers win catastrophe in Dallas again. Honestly, one of the best games of the weekend. Um, I knew this was going to be like this. I knew this was going to be a game that came down to the last, you know, two minutes in the fourth quarter. And at the end of the day, man, the 49ers got it done. Dallas shot themselves with all the penalties. Um, you know, bad, bad coaching, really bad coaching, bad time management, and just it was the season, the end of the season that only fits the Cowboys. I know, you know, there's a lot of Cowboys fans probably sad and upset, and you should be, but don't direct none of that to the players. You need to have all that energy for the coaches because that was a terrible call. Um, and then it's the same shot that they always show on the sidelines at the end of the game. They show Dak on the sidelines, you know, upset, shocked, disappointed. And then they show Ezekiel Elliott, you know, who is a winner showing him just gut punched. And then they, they show the Cowboys fans and make a meme out of it. Every single year, there's a new meme of Cowboys fans. And it's really unfortunate. But then that's going to make sure it's their year though. Hey, we'll see. It's like they always say. <laughs> Satire. But then that takes us to the Sunday night game where the Chiefs played Marley's Pittsburgh Steelers and threw Ben a retirement party. 
Chiefs win big 42 to 21. Steelers made it a game early. Um, JJ Watt gets the strip sack, fumble recovery. And not strip sack. Uh, gets the fumble recovery, takes it to the house, slides it to the end zone. Um, Steelers had a little bit of momentum going um, after that for them, but the Chiefs offense was was too much as they went 42 to 21. Hello, Marley. Welcome to Peace of Mind. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for letting me in on this segment. As you know, diehard Steelers fan, everybody that's in the show, I'll keep it PG for everybody. I just want to say that game would have went completely another way if old boy, uh, what's his face? I don't even care to remember his name anymore. That's how much he angered our entire fan base. My man could not catch the ball. There was a lot of drops okay. in that game. There were way too many wide open catching while running like our, like right after the catch would have been huge in that game for us. Huge. Those receivers had gaping holes in that defense to run through after they caught them balls. Yeah, because the Chiefs they defense isn't that they good. Drop them. They drop them. Because that's the thing, then, too. Like, Ben didn't have to throw. He doesn't have to throw the ball 60 yards downfield like he used to. You know, he's he gets rid of the ball so fast. His guy's got to go out there, catch the ball, and make plays. You're going to have the blockers downfield because <laughs> the offense is going to scheme up something to be able to get those, you know, linemen moving around the outside. You have good blocking wide re run blocking wide receivers. You always have. So get those guys out in space and catch the ball. And they just weren't able to do it that game. They had a lot of opportunities from what I saw. In the, in the first half, Ben threw to the non-veteran receivers on the team. Second half, he started throwing to Washington, Claypool, Juju. Those guys were catching the ball. That's when we got 21. That's when we actually scored two touchdowns. Granted, it was old boy that caught one of them. But that was his only stake in the game. And, like, everybody's you know, saying, well, they put up 42 points. Our defense was faced with a constant three and out. How are they supposed to even remotely catch their breath, watch some film on the last series, see what maybe they're up to, and be able to make come out and make a stop? Yeah, TJ played lights out. Hayward played lights out. A couple of the other guys made some really nice stops during the game. But at the end of the day, yeah, they showed they're up. gassed. They're gassed by the third by end of the fourth quarter. These guys are gassed. Like, come on now, you constantly just make them come off. The, they barely get their helmets off, and they're coming back onto the field. Mm -hmm. And it's all because our guys couldn't catch. Ben was hitting us. It wasn't like you know he was throwing them off or you know just making stupid errors and stuff like that. They literally just could not catch the ball. And they didn't want to get in. They, the one job they're paid to do, they could not do it that day. They didn't want to get in a situation where they were going to rely heavily on Najee Harris because then they become one-dimensional and then they start shoving guys in the box and then that allows Pittsburgh <sighs> to maybe get those quick passes off. But then everybody's playing up on the line of scrimmage. You're not going to get that space like you're used to. If you get that cushion, that's when you can start throwing those two, three second passes, little slant routes and things. And they weren't able to do that once they started dropping the ball. Well, here's the kicker. You know, if like the O-line, you know, they're, they're not great. I'm going to give them that. But they, they came around a little bit. You know, Najee was able to, Najee broke, you know, uh, Najee broke that record. He got, you know, what, 1,200 yards this year on the ground running. You know, he was uh, like, what, bet most yards from scrimmage for a rookie this year. Mm -hmm. uh, most touches. Um, you know what I mean? So that, you know, he was productive, but 
if if they're putting eight men in the box against us, we have some of the fastest, tallest receivers in the league. Not to mention our tight end is an outright beast. Um, can we not just let them guys go downfield real quick if we get a little pass blocking and catch the defense that little bit dishonest and nosing up on the run too much and then what? You know, you send Claypool on a deep out route across the middle. My man's going to burn whoever's covering him. You know, like, come on now. They got to watch so many people. They're not going to be able to cover all those guys. Not going to happen. But they got to catch the ball, though. That's the kicker. They got to catch it. If we, if they caught all those balls, we at least might not have scored in the end zone every time because we've been, you know, we've been really iffy on the red zone this year. But we at least been out there putting money ball Boswell out on the field and kicking field goals and making can in a totally different game for Kansas City. Matt, yeah. what are your thoughts on this I game? After that TJ touchdown in the you know opening drive, like come out and they wallop that dude, and you know I I even questioned. You guys said it in the in the show. I questioned why they did that. Like, why are you letting Mahomes on the off the field? Like, why are you putting yeah, him in that kind of position? Stupid. Like, our defense is gonna pin our ears back and come after you. We already know what's going down. You know what I mean, like, come on now, TJ's like he just licked his lips. So did Hayward. Guaranteed, they just licked their lips and was like, let's go get this boy. And sure enough, what happened to him? You know, he got straight up sacked, fumbled. You know, TJ just picked up that ball in, in motion and just took off. I literally lost, like, every every Steeler fan in the world lost their mind when that happened because they're like, yep, here we go, boys. Defense is going to come out. But then what happened? Offense three and out. Offense three and out. Offense three and out. Offense three and out. What are we going to do with that? Defense can't do nothing with that. You know? We ain't scoring. The, they ain't scoring the points. Exactly. All right, Marley. We do have to get uh, going on the appreciate rest of these it. games. We got one more game. No, I appreciate you uh, stopping by and, and hanging out. Feel free to stay in the Discord if you want to. Gotcha. Um, I'll mute off. Matt, what are your mute what off. were your what were your thoughts on this game? I know we basically covered every every quarter and inch of this game, but um, if you got any final thoughts before we moved over to the Monday night game, and then make our picks for this week's coming up games. I just feel like the Steelers are kind of in the same boat as the Eagles, right? That kind of sacrificial lamb um, to the slaughter for the second seed, you know, second seed in the AFC and NFC, respectively. Let's I mean, let's be real, right? Both of them teams scraped in, got by because of some other result that happened in a different game, right? Um, not saying they didn't deserve to be there or they couldn't win those games before they happened. None of that, but you could just see the difference in the skill level and the coaching level of these teams, not anything about the coaching for any of these teams. I think the Steelers have one of the best coaches in the NFL, Mike Tomlin. I think Nick Sirianni is a really good up and coming coach. I got to give him a few more years before I say anything about him. Um, but I mean, you expected what happened above those games, right? Both teams were pretty favored heavily, um, heavily, my bad. Um, I mean, like I said, let's be honest, man. We knew what was going to happen in these games. We knew these teams limped into the playoffs. They wasn't really expecting to be there anyways. They was just out there giving it their all, and it's just unfortunately wasn't enough. Quick question for you, too. I actually just thought of this. Um, so I, I know it hasn't been too much of a conversation piece uh, to discuss because it's something that they wanted to implement on the season going forward. Um, but long story short... I believe now what seventh seeds are now zero and four in the playoffs since they started this format. What are your thoughts I think, on? So yeah, something like that. So like, is the seventh seed worth it still to have that team in there? I just want to hear your thoughts on it. 
we'll see. I mean, wrong. more football is always better for me as a fan. Like, right, I love watching football. Exactly. But, I mean, when you really sit down and look at it, you have to think of it, right? Like, most of those games are a blowout when it involves that seven team, right? Instead of having the first two teams with a bye and, you know, obviously the other three, three teams playing, it's, it hasn't been good. You've had a lot of blowouts. You've had a lot of... Oh, I'm sorry, just... Well, yeah, Sorry, no, my they have, just kind of they went a little crazy. They have to play the second, second C team. Um, anyways, you've had a lot of blowouts. Like I just said, you've had a lot of bad games. And when I say bad games, I mean, you've had teams come out and not show up. Yeah, there's um, a big gap between the seventh and second. It and think of that standpoint of games, right? Of do Are they going to watch these games even if they're not good, right? Are you going to watch this game knowing it's probably going to be a blowout? And I think that's what they're going to have to look at, right? Because I think it all breaks down to the numbers. It doesn't really matter whether they care about, you know, 17th game or not. They're, they're only focused on the numbers. Yeah. If it's not doing well, right, if it's like not getting the views or it's just continuously being blowouts, maybe you make a change. But, oh, no, I like it. It kind of brings that Cinderella college feel, right, that we love about the March Madness into it so we'll, we'll see going yeah, forward i think new. you keep it but if you know if it continues just you know the seventh seed never wins the game then maybe you change it back no i agree i There's just wanted that to ask phrase there, gentlemen any given sunday yeah, yeah. you've seen plenty yeah, of times this year come out and win yeah they might be the seventh seed and maybe they should just maybe start putting like the one and two seeds on a bye week like, why is the seventh seed playing the second best team in the league well they used to the, the format changed they have to do it this way because then uh the way the, the the bracket is then another team wouldn't have a game either like they they have to have three games four games one two they need to fix it three, so. four games. Matthew, like these have been absolute like come on now we had to play the chiefs the the eagles had to play the buccaneers like <laughs> like come on man like I don't see them changing it soon, but especially if the numbers, if they don't drive those numbers, like Matt said, I think that that could change in a, in a few years. What are they? They're well, going to add another team, an eighth, an eighth team. They'd have to have an eighth the team. The thing is, though, like with the state, like with our game, so KC's got a huge fan base. The Steelers are freaking worldwide, so everybody and their mothers watching that playoff game. Oh yeah, when it comes to us. So oh yeah, that, you can't no really, worry like, there. No, in all honesty, you can't look at our numbers because everybody's watching that game. And then with the Eagles and the Buccaneers, eh. That might be one you could look at because it's the Eagles. They have a pretty big fan base in Philly. And then you got the Buccaneers, which is pretty localized. And, I mean, for years they were blacklisted on the NFL, like, live because they didn't sell tickets, but now they do. So, but, you know, all the people don't go down there on Tampa Bay probably watch that. And all the Tom Brady fans. I think they'd but, go to an eighth seed if they were to do that, just like the NBA has eight teams in it. Now baseball is implementing extra so we'll see. I don't think it's going to change for a couple of years, but I, I do agree with that as well, Marley. That, that's a good side. All right. One game to go that happened. We had the Monday night game, which is another thing that they added to the season. Um, so now, regardless of who won this game, they would have a short week going into next week. Because... Well, yeah, see, the Rams don't play till Sunday, though, so I guess it didn't matter too much. I'm sure they said it that way intentionally. Well, no, because it would depend on who would have won that game. I don't know. I don't really care about that Monday night, Monday night playoff game. That was a little strange for me, a little weird to see that during this time of year. But the Rams completely take control of the Cardinals and win 34-11. to 
Um, Kiwi Samurai's team, unfortunately, the Cardinals do not make it past the first round, who we did describe earlier was once a powerhouse in the NFC. And he warned us ahead of time that he wasn't very, you know, feeling very comfortable about the Cardinals towards the end of the season. He describes pain in the chat. Man, this, this game was just total domination. Kyler Murray just looked really, really uncomfortable. Matt, what are your thoughts on the game? It kind of... I didn't expect Kyler to come out and look like that. I expected this game to go in the Rams' favor. I was sneakily going to pick the Cardinals before I changed it to the Rams. Yeah, division but, game. Uh, the Cardinals know. have looked like a completely different team when DeAndre Hopkins went out. Yeah, people forget that, too. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see going into next year what they do, of course, in the offseason and the draft and if they make any coaches' changes. But I think you have a team right now that can still make the playoffs next year and still potentially win it all. I just think you have to stay healthy. I think they got hit with injuries at the worst time. Um, and I think you just have to keep that momentum building. And when I say, you know, keep the momentum building, you've, you've, you've done good. You've started off fast each year. You've stopped that momentum. You have not won games to end the season. Like yeah, I said, just one that. of Cliff Kingsbury's histories. Never been able to close out a se season winning at all. He's lost majority of his games. That has to change. I think if you go into next year, right, and something similar happens, maybe you start, you know, three and one, four and two, something like that. Maybe you win a couple more games, lose a couple. But if you go on a streak to end the season like you did the last year and the year before that, I think you have to make a change. All right, Matt. That's going to take us to this week's games of divisional round playoffs. Start Saturday with our first game. I'm sure you're very excited and looking forward to this game. The 10 and 7 Bengals. Actually, I'm not really worried about their record at this point in the playoffs, but the Bengals travel to the Tennessee Titans, the number one seed who gets home field advantage, gets Derrick Henry back. Titans are favored three and a half points. Let's talk about this game, Matt. What do you think? This is tough, man. This is a tough game to pick. I think this is going to be a really close game. I think this is. I think no matter what, that both of these teams are going to score, I'm going to say 20 plus, 25 plus each. I think this is going to be a, a 50, 55, 60 total point game. Um, but Ooh, I'm okay. going to go with the Titans here. Okay. I was going to go with the Bengals. I'm still hope, hoping the Bengals win. Don't get that wrong. I'm, I hope the Bengals do win. But I'm going to go with the Titans. You get Derrick Henry back. You're at home. I think you have the best formula to beat the Bengals, which is run the ball with Derrick Henry, control the clock, keep Joe Burrow and them, them really, 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 really talented receivers on the sideline. And you have a shot. I think if your defense keeps playing like the way they have been, you will have a shot to win this game. I just think it all depends on Derrick Henry. If he's healthy and is the Derrick Henry we know he's going to be, I'm going to take the Titans. And yeah, and they could get back to the football that they played when they started off at what eight and two at one point. Um, I know we don't give score predictions on this show, but one question I'm going to ask—I forgot to ask it last week for all the other games, but for this game specifically, what? What is the score that the winning team must have to win this game? Like, what would be what would be their number? I'm going to go with 30. You would say 30? Okay. I was going to say 28. I think, yeah, 20, I think 28 points is enough to win this game um, on either side. 
And I'm also going to make a fair statement, especially when it comes to the Bengals. If they lose this game, it's not a failure of a season. They're not frauds. They were picked by many people, including us, to finish last in the AFC North. They come out and win a division. Potential potential coach of the year between either of these two guys playing against each other in this game. Uh, made for a great story. I just don't know where, you know, coach veteranship comes in. We know Burrow's obviously a better quarterback than Tannehill. But I feel like Tennessee, even though they've had, what, three weeks off now, they get Derrick Henry back, they were able to instill an offense, had time to think about it, and really watch these games and study a lot of film. And I think that they're going to make Burrow uncomfortable, like how the Raiders did at times. But I think Tennessee's defense is going to be able to be better at doing that. Um, so I'm, t- I'm going to take the Titans here. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think this has a chance to, to go either way, but like I said, I'm going to take the Titans at home. Like I said, I think they have the best formula to beat the Bengals, giving Derrick Henry the ball, controlling the clock, going on these long, you know, eight to 12 play drives, taking a bunch of time off the clock. Um, it's just, it's, it bodes well for them at home. That's the way I'm going to put it, especially getting Henry back. They have the best, the best formula to do this. I hope the Bengals win, though. Like I said, I really do. I, I, you know, love my boy Joe and Jamar. They've been cutting up this year, and like you said, to be in the playoffs is that's that's really something special. You're you're really ahead of schedule if you think about it, right? You have Joe Burrow, he's in his second year. T. Higgins, second year. Tyler Boyd, I think, is in what, his third year. You have um, Jamar Chase in his first year. Your your team's really young all over the field, so I mean, you're you're kind of ahead of where you think you might have been, Matt. 8-15, Saturday night. The San Francisco 49ers again face the Packers in the playoffs. Games in Lambeau. You're not going to make your prediction, of course, as we have not throughout the season. We haven't really talked about this game much all week, you know, obviously with you being a Packers fan. But let's talk about this game a little bit here. A chance to turn the tables, Matt. And rewrite history when it comes to these teams in the, against each other in the playoffs. You just have to find a way. You know, you're you're the best team in the league. I'm going to let you take the floor first. This is your team. It's your time. Your team's in the playoffs, Matt. I'll let you start. Talk like about this said, game. Man, we, we have to get over the hump. And, I'm, and when I say the hump, I know obviously most people would think that's the NFC Conference Championship game, which it is. But to me, the 49ers is the other hump. And when I say this is we have to exercise some demons. We're 0-3 versus the Perfect. 49ers with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. They beat us in 2013. Aaron Rodgers led us down the field, tied the game. Then Kaepernick led them down, and they kicked the game when it field goal. They go to the Super Bowl or NFC Championship, NFC Conference Championship. Ended bad. up going NFC to the Super Bowl that year, but yeah. Last year, or not last year, year before 2019, they Stomped us. Yeah, that was both a- times we played them in the regular season and then again in the NFC Conference Championship. We have got to beat them. And when I say beat them, we have got to come out here and we've got to put our foot on their necks. And when I say that is Aaron Rodgers has to be Aaron Rodgers. He has to be the MVP. We have to give him time. The 49ers are probably just going to rush four. That's what they've done against Dallas. It's what they do a lot of the year because they have a really good front four. Yeah, they but trust on the them. flip side of that, 
their corner secondary is a little bit vulnerable, especially going up against number ones. When 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 going against teams number ones, they give up a lot of yards. So it bodes well for Devontae, but it all goes down to can we give Rodgers time? I'm also worried about the defense when it comes to the running game, especially now that they've mixed Debo Samuel into it. You know, it kind of throws it off. This I'm I'm nervous for this game, man. I am. I think this is the worst matchup we could have gotten. You know, I know what everyone's going to say. You know, oh, well, you beat the 49ers early in the year. Oh, they're not better than y'all, blah, blah, blah. They're a really good football team. They're a really good coach football team. They're a hard team to beat. They're a lot different of a team that they were from week three. I'll tell you that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And, of course, Green Bay isn't the same team, right? You get, hopefully, a lot of people back for this game. David Bakhtiari is supposed to be back. Jerry Alexander is supposed to be back. Zadarius Smith is supposed to be back. Um, Josh Myers is back. I mean, you, you, Randall Cobb is back. I mean, what, what else do you know? You, you're getting healthier at the best time of the season, right? Where everybody else may be getting injured and losing people, you're getting three all pros back from last year. I mean, Zadarius Smith, David Bakhtiari, and Jerry Alexander are three all pros, two of them arguably the best of their position. So it's it's going to be interesting, man, mm-hmm. to, to really see how, how you know how much of a snap count those guys are on coming back from injuries. I don't know, man. It's 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 a hard matchup. It's a tough one for us, like I said, especially with the woes. Like I said, I'm not going to make my picks for this game. Just I'm going to say, watch it. This is going to be one hell of a game this watch between this two game. coaches that know each other very very well in McVay and Shanahan. Just get your popcorn ready. There's some really good matchups this week. I'm really looking forward to all these games, especially this one. All right, Matt, you're not going to make your pick, obviously. Um, would you fancy to give a number, again, like the last game that we just picked, of what you think a team has to score in order to win? Can I ask you that? 25 plus. Really? You think that, You think all that they're going to need is 25 points to win this game? Okay. And the reason I say that is because I think this is going to start slow. I think both teams are going to score maybe on the first few possessions and then it's going to slow down. Then it's going to slow down. And then okay. I think in the fourth is when it's going to have to really come down to it. Do you think the game starts out hot? They start figuring each other out and they start slowing the game down. They're going to run some clock. I can even see this game early starting slow and then teams start getting, I don't want to say desperate, but start, you know, um, unleashing the chains, as you would say, for lack of a better term. I agree, but I'm going to say that I think this game starts out real slow. There's going to be, you know, a lot of control on the clock, a lot of, you know, 14 play drives. Maybe not a lot. That the, the, There's a lot of plays, but I could see a 14 play drive with both teams, you know, kind of chess matching it all the way downfield, giving their look script and their plays, and then come on the second half and just letting it ride. That's why we love playoff football. Um, out of respect for you, I know you said it's okay that I can make a pick in this game. I'm not saying which team I'm gonna that I think is gonna win. Um, I can just rely on what you were saying with you know Green Bay again has to come out, put their foot on their necks and not even you know give them any inch of 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 air to be able to have an opportunity because in the playoffs it can really bite you no matter which way. Um, but I have respect for you, Matt. I'm not gonna give a pick for this game. Um, I'm just really excited to watch it. Um, I will say that I think the winning team is gonna have to score 34 points. I'll say 34 because I, I I think, you know, uh, a couple of field goals might come in here in this game, which might decide a few games. Um, you know, if a team's going to get a stop and force a team to kick a field goal rather than, you know, giving up a touchdown. 
know, touchdowns are going to be a lot bigger in this in, in any game, obviously, because they score more points. But I'll say 34. I think you got to score 34 points in this game to win. All right, that's going to take us to our Sunday games. The first game on the slate, 3 o'clock, the Rams travel on the road to Tampa Bay to take on, you are right, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who Tom Brady has never lost a playoff game in Tampa. 5-0. Five, five and oh. This is a tough game, man. This is a rematch from a game we had earlier in the season where the Bucs traveled to the Rams and lost. You know what? I'm going with the Rams. Are you? I'm going to go with the Rams here. Right? The Buccaneers, while they're still very good, they have Tom Brady. They've taken some hits with Antonio Brown leaving, with Chris Godwin being out for the year, for Nets banged up. This is going to be a really, really fun game. This is going to be a tough game. I'm going to take the Rams here on the road. I think that Matthew Stafford finally breaks the mold. I know he got his first playoff win last week, but I think he finally gets over it and has, like, a really good game. Um, I think Jalen Ramsey shuts down Mike Evans, which is going to hurt the Bucs a lot because, like I said, they don't have other receivers really besides Mike Mike Evans. And I think Aaron Donald is, is going to have a really, really, really good game. I'm, I'm thinking two-plus sacks in this game, so I'm going to take wow. the Rams here. How many points do they have to score to win, Matt? 30 at least i'll just say i think they went all in to get von miller for for this team you need a guy alongside complimentary football on the defense with aaron donald to do whatever you can to stop tom brady and this is their game to, to be able to do it um Man, I learned at the beginning of last year, you really humbled me when it came to Tom Brady. I, I hated him for the longest time, but it was one of those players that like you 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 love to hate. Kind of like Kobe Bryant. I I really didn't like Kobe at, at all when he was a player until his last game. I just I happened to sit down and watch it. And I was rooting for him to score all those points in his last game. It was just very exciting to see. Man, I got to tell you, I don't know. It's so hard to pick against Tom Brady, but I picked the Rams as well. I think it's their time. I think they finally get that chance. And exactly what I said, I, I really feel like they, they got these guys to be able to stop a player like Tom Brady, and I think they have the pieces to do it. It all just depends on... Honestly, I'll, I'll say this. This is something I pay attention to and something I've said on the show before. If Sean McVay goes out and burns all three of his timeouts in the third quarter, they're in trouble because he does that like every game. I'm I'm timeout guy. I like to have at least two, three timeouts in the fourth quarter. He burns through all of them midway through the third quarter sometimes. They have to fix that. They have to be able to, to get turnovers. And I really think Tampa Bay's offense is going to be limited. You know, we said that last week, you know, that they did it against the Eagles defense, but this is the Rams defense. It's not the Eagles. Um, I think the Rams have enough to win this game. But if they are going to win, I think, again, they're going to have to score 30. I'll change a little bit number differently than you. I'll say 31. I think they have to score 31 to win this game. I'm taking the Rams, too, though. Takes us to our final division game of the week. This is a game 
where cliche after cliche, get your popcorn ready. Rematch of the AFC Championship game of last year, Bills at Chiefs. Let's see, I didn't get them line. Okay, Tampa Bay's th favorite three points. Uh, Packers are favorite five and a half. Titans favorite three and a half. Chiefs in this game, one and a half point favorites. The over-under is 54 for this game. My goodness. Bang the over. You think? Bang the over. I think both of these teams are going to score 30 plus. I think this is going to be an absolute shootout. Like, man, I, I, I don't know. Like... <laughs> I think this game's going to come down to whatever team gets a stop late in the fourth quarter. I think both teams are going to probably drive down the field a lot. I think you're going to get some stops here and there, but I think overall both teams are just going to have a kind of good day offensively. It also depends but the on end the field. Of the day, you have to pick a team. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills, baby. They Look break through. Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. The boys get the job done. They get over the hump, which is Patrick Mahomes, and Coming they make up, it to the AFC Championship game for the second year. Wow. For the rematch of the Music City Miracle from 99 against the Titans, that would be something. All right. How many points do the Bills have to score to win this game at? I'm going to go 37. Woohoo. I think they have to th score 37. I think the Chiefs, I think they're both a lot to score at least 25. But I think they have to score 37 points to have a chance to win this game. Now, like I said, the Chiefs could come out and score 40. But I think 37 is a good spot for the Bills. Matt, two weeks in a row, we're going to have the same exact picks. I'm taking the Bills on the road here as well. The Chiefs' defense has still just been the X factor all year for them. They could very well win this game. You know, it's, it's any given Sunday, you know, they're at home. I, I did kind of go back and forth on this game a little bit, but just all week, I just felt the momentum was in Bill's mafia's hands. And they have a chance to go back to the AFC championship game again. You know, what a, what a time it is, you know, to be alive as a Bills fan. Um, fantastic team. Josh Allen's really coming to his own. He's becoming a real leader over there. You really know that Stefan Diggs wants that. He wants it so bad. And I just feel like that they're just going to have enough to be able to beat the Chiefs. Um, I'm, I'm banging the over in this game. And it's unlikely, but I think it's possible that the Bills have to put up 41 points to win this game. Two teams that aren't really great at running the ball. They're going to be passing it all over the field. And like you said, it's a matter of who's going to get that stop in the fourth quarter. Both teams have very good field goal kickers. You know, even if it, if, even if it's cold, it's going to be what, like in the 30, yeah, it's going to show us in the thirties. Bills are fine with that. They just played a, a freezing game in, in Buffalo. It's a heat wave for them. It's going to be a great game though, but I'm taking the bills here as well, Matt. And that wraps up our pick segment of the show. Let's see here. Ah, oh, one little tidbit that I did have as well. Um, this is not an exact uh, statistic, but something that I kind of wanted to prove throughout the season. Um, no matter how good a team's running game is this year, I'm pretty sure all the teams left 
in the playoffs besides the Packers and Titans, I would believe. And I know the 49ers had a really good running game, especially later on in the season. But most of these teams that are left in the playoffs don't have a very good running game, if you haven't noticed that trend. I just wanted to see your, your thoughts on that. On the running game? Yeah. And like the, the teams that are left, like you see a trend, like teams like the Colts, the Browns, um, the, the, well, the, the, yeah, the Steelers well, are think, in the playoffs. I think but... what you see here, um, honestly, besides the, you know, you got the Titans run heavy team. Um, the 49ers are a run first team. The Packers, honestly, is a really good running team as well. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, you're right. You're, you have more trends to, you know, offensive passing game in, in the playoffs, right? The Packers can do both pretty well. The 49ers, yeah. they're more so, you know, rushing. The Bengals can run, mm -hmm. but their money, bread and butter is passing. You know, same with the Buccaneers with Tom Brady, Bills, Chiefs, obviously. Um, the Rams are a little bit of both sprinkled in there. I don't know. This is it's definitely interesting, man. It's I think you have to be able to do both, but I think more so than anything, you have to be able to throw the ball effectively. And I think that's why you see less of the really run heavy teams here in the playoffs. Absolutely. It was just something that kind of caught my attention. I've been kind of seeing it on, on Twitter recently. Um, it's, just, it's very eye opening to see like, yeah, you can have a good running game. And I'm glad to see that the running game is, is back in the NFL. You know, I like teams, you know, that are able to run the ball but it still comes down to, you know, having that, that passing game. It's still a passing league. And let's, let's bang some overs this week, huh? Looking forward to it. All right, Matt, do you have anything else before we wrap up the show? I know we had a, a nice long show. We appreciate everybody hanging out with us and going over all the wonderful things that we had to discuss on the show this evening. It was very eventful, very kind of all over. And I really enjoyed it. That would be it for me, man. I actually, you know, had to few things i need to take care of here lately i've kind of been was saving it for after the show you know always a good time to get together with you and do one of these shows yeah, absolutely bro looking forward to it and we will see you again next time on peace of mind sports podcast you can follow all of our past broadcasts on spotify you can listen to the show at peace of mind sports talk follow us on twitter at pom underscore sports i apologize i bang my mic and we are sponsored by the Uno Clan, multi-platform content creating organization in the US and UK. Find all of your favorite Uno fan members at unoclaninc.com. That's U-K-N-O-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. Or on Twitter at Uno underscore clan. Thank you, everybody. Hope you have a wonderful evening. Be safe. Stay warm. Go, Pat, go. Go, Pat, go. Peace.